Hey everybody, this is Q the Abolitionist with Crypto Gumbo. And this is episode 9 of Unshackled Liberty. Today is March 22nd, 2020. We'll probably drop this episode on March 25th. That's a Wednesday. Uh, this show we have Salvia Goris coming on to talk to us about agorism or agorism. Um, there might be a little bit of background noise with my neighbor mowing his lawn. I mean, that's what you get when we do these podcasts in a living room. Not everybody can be Joe Rogan. So uh, I hope you enjoy the show. There's some great content being uh, being thrown around today. So thanks for listening. Hey, everybody, this is Q, the abolitionist. You're listening to Unshackled Liberty. I'm here with Crypto Gumbo, my co-host, and a very special guest, Sal the Agorist. So, Sal, is it, is it Sal the Agorist or Agorist, or how, how are we pronouncing that word? Potato, potato. I usually pronounce Agorist, but some people say Agorist. I, I just say uh, Agorist because it comes from the Greek word Agora, so... Makes sense. That's good. Right. And uh, for, for everybody listening at home, and maybe you guys too... Um, if I get a if I get a point where where I'm not saying a whole lot, I'll go ahead and mute my mic. I, I do this show from from my living room, and so what that means is I've got I've got kids kind of running around, and and I got right now my neighbor decided that he wanted to mow his lawn right now. So, so, and, so. And, and, and adding in to that, I'm a loser. I don't have a mic yet. Sorry. <laughs> so just gonna have so to wait. Sorry. We're we're doing all of this kind of kind of as as we go, man. And and so I appreciate you getting in on this and kind of throwing us a bone, but. Uh, Let's let's talk about agorism or agorism and and uh, I mean start I want to start one on one level because I know some some guys probably know a little bit more than others but I want to go at, at you know kind of get get the basics of it and um and oh I also wanted to mention I heard you last week on uh, E Militia uh, doing an episode especially specifically on this topic too so if if there's something that you talked about on on the E Militia podcast that you felt like you wanted to spend a little bit more time on or get a little more detailed on, man, you can use this forum. No problem. So Definitely. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to let you go for, for now and, and I'll just jump in as, as, as questions go. So what, what is agorism? So, yeah. So, um, you know, there's different schools of thought within the anarchist community and, uh, agorism or agorism, potato, potato is, uh, probably the most radical version of anarchism. It's probably the most radical school of thought, um, <clears throat> essentially we don't believe in, uh, when we say we don't believe in, in initiatory violence, we take that very seriously. That's, uh, a way of life among agorists, um, beyond just a political principle, uh, or a moral principle is really is how we structure our whole lives. And we take logical consistency to an extreme. So, uh, when we when we say that we apply the non-aggression principle to everything, we really mean that. Uh, that includes no voting, uh, no participation in party politics, and uh, we reject things like violent revolutions or boogaloo's or things like that. Uh, any for any form of violence, initiatory violence, we reject outright, and uh, we prefer a peaceful solution uh, based on counter-economics. So, you know, you can think like. Uh, what the 3D printer has done to gun control or what, uh, on a larger scale, what Gandhi did to the British. So we, we just believe in uh, really holding anarchists to our principles and making sure everybody is true to what they say. And I think that a lot of schools of thought within the anarchist movement, the liberty movement, uh, aren't consistent. 
I think I want to I want to add to well I don't want to add to that but I want to I want to uh, put a little emphasis on that one. Maybe there's somebody listening to this show that that's not all the way sold out to to uh, volunteerism or or anarchy or you know agorism or whatnot. But you know there, there there's people that maybe have some mis misunderstandings of of what those philosophies are and and ultimately I think it's great that you hit on it. They're they're peaceful in nature. They reject violence. It's it's an idea of voluntary interactions and doing things in a way that you know that is based on informed consent and not at the barrel of a gun correct yeah absolutely it's all based on mutual exchange so uh any any form of association has to be based on consent right that's what that's the difference the difference between uh sex and rape or um you know uh business and robbery it's it's all about informed consent and voluntary consent and it's all also about the mutual uh, mutually beneficial exchange of goods. So, if we agree to do business, it's because both of us are uh, gaining on the situation. It's a positive sum game, rather than uh, you know where the government forces you to engage in something, which is you know a, a zero sum game. So, it's all about what's best for the individual and letting the individual uh, you know decide what's what's best for themselves. You know, what's really intriguing is whenever you your explanation of it. If, if the masses heard that, more people would, would hop in that boat because everything you're saying, it makes sense. And it's, uh, it's very conducive to most people's lives. It's, you know, uh, but I think there's, I think uh, like anarchy and voluntarism and agorism, it has a bad rap because so many people don't exactly understand. And I'm one of them, you know, I'm learning. And uh, so, yeah, I appreciate that breakdown. No, definitely. And, you know, one of the things Tom Woods says is that uh, one of my favorite quotes of his is that the one of the states, I'm paraphrasing, it's not an exact quote, but uh, one of the state's greatest victories is convincing people to fear the term anarchy. Uh, and I, I really think that that's true because, uh, you know, the only difference is in our version of the world, there isn't any initiatory violence. And in their version of the world, there is. So if anything, yeah. people should and, fear this is the state and not the market, you know? And yet they'll, and they'll, they'll look at the state and not recognize that it is initiatory violence, that it, that, you know, that the state is at its core violent, right? They, they don't, they don't get that. And, uh, but like to, to what Gumbo you were saying is the information's out there and, and I, you know, I don't want to go back in all the way back into my backstory, but, but uh, you know, I was a statist. I was a full-on Republican, card-carrying member, neocon dude. And and once I saw in 2016 who, who the uh, the the nominee for president of the United States was going to be, I, I had to do a real hard look. I go, that's not that's not my guy. That's not who I am. And so I started digging. And uh, you know, obviously, the we'll say the gateway was through the LP. And then you realize that okay, maybe this isn't really that much better. And then you dig a little more and uh, and you find out that it doesn't have to be partisan at all. You know, your politics can be anti-politics, you know, and and the information in this information age, I believe wholeheartedly that, you know, ignorance is a choice. There's way too much information out there for people to not not, you know, find out for themselves, you know, whether, whether their belief system actually supports their their own um, their own politics or vice versa. You know, yeah, it's a conscious choice. You You decide to ignore it you know absolutely i agree um you know you i i think you're you're definitely onto something but you know one of the things i would i would add to that is that 
don't feel bad. We were we were all statists at one point. It's it's we were all uh, we're all victims of of you know this whole public schooling, military industrial complex, uh, world police state surveillance that we live in. So it's not you know the fault of the individual that we were all once statists. I mean, uh, the fact that we have opened our eyes, I think, is a testament to you know not to pat ourselves on the back, but it's a testament to our ourselves. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, first realizing that man, there's just something isn't something is not quite right. What what is it, and, and uh, what what can I find that that that, that helps me at least figure yeah, out which way is up? Yeah, most people don't even make that jump. You know, most people remain, uh, you know, with the veil over their head. They may, they remain as sheep their whole lives. So I agree, I agree. So you you mentioned something. I. I you mentioned something um, last week. I said I listened to you on the E-Militia podcast, and you talked about the different colors of markets. Now, I was always well aware of the gray and the black markets as they as they uh, relate to – when I say always, I mean in the last couple of years, right? Um, aware of the gray and black markets as they re- relate to agorism. Um, I don't think I ever considered the other markets, the white, pink, red, et cetera. So um, – are you, are you, did you want to talk a little bit about that? And, and again, this is kind of entry level stuff. You're, you're, uh, I expect that our audience, um, probably mirror gumbo and myself, uh, you know, personality wise. And, and of course, you know, our, our depth of understanding of some of these things. So, um, if you feel like you wanted to spend some time on it at a basic level before you get too deep, that would, that would be great. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's, uh, a whole different range of uh, markets. We have the uh, black and the gray, which is really what agorism is. And that's, uh, you know, the black market is goods and services that are completely prohibited, but are consistent with a non-aggression principle. So, um, you know, different, uh, if, you know, pot or things like that, that are illegal, that are, that really have no victim would be considered black market uh, activities. And then uh, gray market activities would be goods or services that are regulated, but not prohibited. So um, a good, a good example, something like this would be uh, a cigarette smuggler or something like that. Uh, Uh. Cigarettes are heavily taxed, but they're, they're still allowed. So uh, somebody who smuggles cigarettes, we say that they operate in the uh, in the gray market, um, and then uh, the red market is the the evil market. That's that's the bad one because uh, that is the one that's both. Um, it is not only inconsistent with the non-aggression principle, but uh, it also is uh, illegal for us to engage in and legal for the state. So this is things like politics. Right. And this is um, one of the arguments I use against party politics. I try to show people that, you know, these people are engaging in the red market. This is not consistent with our beliefs because we are supposed to stay away from this, uh, these sorts of activities. Um, But yeah, and then you have, you know, the white market, um, which is just completely legal uh, activities and things like that. And the pink market. I don't, have, I don't even remember what exactly that entails. I don't have my sheet in front of me. But there's a whole wide range of uh, different markets that we agorists use to like classify where the activities that we fall under. But agorism exclusively focuses on black and gray. That, we believe, is uh, if we, according to agorism or counter-economics, if we stick to black and gray markets, we can sort of subvert or undermine the state. 
So that's why we have things like Bitcoin to sort of undermine the Federal Reserve's monopoly on currency. Uh, Bitcoin operates in gray markets because it's not illegal, but, uh, you know, it does sort of, uh, you know, it still knocks them down. I don't, that's why, you know, people say to me, well, how do I get involved in agorism? And I, I don't tell them, you know, go stand out in the street and sell heroin or something like that. Because, <laughs> you know, that's not, uh, we, we, we do, we get a bad rep for these sort because when people hear black market, they think, you know, the worst case scenario, but that's not what agorism is, you know. And, and there's, like, there's, there's really not, not, not a great future standing in the street selling heroin, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're asking for it. Right. So, um, that's, that's that's a good rundown. You mentioned the non-aggression principle a couple of times, and um, I think I think a lot of people that listen to the show already kind of understand what that is. But you know, a summary a summary of the non-aggression principle is basically any any uh, any initiation of force is immoral, right? And uh, so when we look at the state, we look at the state as a violator of the non-aggression principle because every rule, every regulation, every law. Is is dictated and executed at the barrel of a gun. So it is an initiation of force. It is a threat of force because, simply put, you just look at taxation. One of the most common things is it's, it's period it's period uh, appropriate now because well I mean it's tax season, and um, you know what happens to ladies and gentlemen if you don't pay your taxes, you know if if you get nailed for it you're going to go end up eventually going to end up in a box, you know uh, it could be a, it could be a cage and if you fight hard enough it'll be a pine box right so. The uh, you know that that's why the state is a violator of the non-aggression principle, and why that's so important when we're talking about agorism. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. One of the ways I like to break it down is that um, you know you can't you can't uh, induce a uh, unjustified property loss upon somebody. That basically sums up the non-aggression principle as the best way I can think of. You can't induce an unjustified property loss, and that includes bodily harm or, uh, you know, you can't steal my stuff or break my arm because that's all my property. Um, and because it really is, it all comes down to property rights. That is the only right that we all have is property rights. These, this whole concept of group rights is just a fiction. You know, it sounds nice. It plays well on MSNBC, but there is no such thing as men's rights or women's rights or, uh, you know, immigrant rights or blacks rights or Hispanic rights or anything like that. Or it's all, it's all nonsense. I mean, in political science, there's things like civil rights and civil liberties, but those are, you know, more technical terms, but, uh, and they yeah. still, and they still apply to the individual and not, and not an overall yeah. group. Yeah. Know? Yeah, absolutely. I, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. Thank you. Um, so we talked a little bit about what agorism is at its core. Um, so one of the things we deal with those of us who are, who are, who are trying to, um, man, I hate to use the term woke, man. You know what I mean? I mean, just, but, but try enlighten. to, how about that? Enlighten. Yeah, yeah. Try to enlighten some of our <laughs> friends and family that maybe, you know, we, you know, we'll call those guys like the normies, you know, what, how, how would we, how could we get a normie to understand the value of, of agorism and, and live, you know, at least trying to get into, into a little bit of that stuff. Well, I'll tell you what, it's a long road, right? You don't, you don't, you don't go from Republican to agorist overnight. At the, the, there's a lot of steps in between there. Uh, you know, I personally, for me, it was Ron Paul, Ron Paul. I don't, I don't remember if it was the 2008 or 2012 debates, but I can remember, uh, I was a Republican and I'm ashamed to admit it, but I was a Republican and I can remember watching the debates and thinking to myself, 
the only one who makes any sense up there is the guy who I'm supposed to think is crazy. You know, so let let, let me look. Into this. <laughs> let me that's, find out that's more about common, him. Right? You know? That's so normal. We all deal with that. Yeah, yeah right. So I, I started doing my research and uh, I got lucky because uh, I, I jumped right into the economics of it all. And uh, once I started doing some research, I was like, wow. These guys are able to predict with such a high degree of accuracy all these different economic events. Everything that they say about the socio-political realm is also uh, true. Uh, so th they must really have this figured out. And that really sent me down this road of minarchy. And then I became a libertarian party kind of guy. Uh, eventually, I found Murray Rothbard. Uh, you know, I, I was afraid of assuming the moniker as anarchist, but I eventually found Rothbard. And once I started reading Rothbard, that was it, game over. And then I was like, you know, it's something still didn't feel right. And then I finally read Konkin, I guess. I found Konkin and uh, everything just clicked. I, I, it just, I was so blown back by how logically consistent the whole theory was that I was completely sold. And, uh, that's how I became an agorist. But I think like there is really like a whole different um, – there are different paths you could take. You know, if you're a history guy, read Ralph Rako. If, okay. you're, if, you, if you're into economics, you know, look at, look at Peter Schiff and Walter Block and read Rothbard. You know, whatever your thing is, there are people out there. Whatever issue you're passionate about, we, we have a better explanation than the ones that you've heard before. So you just have to find the uh, the individual who's speaking about those things in the anarchist community. I feel like I feel like just a, a good understanding of economics is so is so important to the fundamental understanding of libertarianism in general, whether it be big L or little L, right? Like if if you you know I've noticed at least in in, in the last few years um, that I, I that I identified myself as a libertarian and then eventually you know a small L libertarian and so on, but. Um, you show me somebody who doesn't understand economics, who claims to be a libertarian. I'll show you somebody who doesn't understand what being a libertarian means, you know. Right. And uh, and I and I, so I think that I think when you when you hit on that stuff with Rothbard and you know that's such an important thing to understand libertarian philosophy anyway. And then and then of course moving forward into into you know whether you want to call yourself an ANCAP or and then move into you know agorism and all that other stuff. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I, I would even say that, you know, not to get philosophical with you here, but I think that that connection between understanding economics and uh, being a libertarian or a good libertarian shows uh, just... <laughs> let me, I'm ahead. sorry, let me, let me jump in, dude. When I say good libertarian, man, I know that the community is full of people that will claim so-and-so is not a real libertarian. And that I wasn't trying to pile on there. I just meant, you know, we all know the guys that they claim to be, a, you know, a libertarian, and then next thing you know, they're 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 just like the oh yeah yeah I don't know the libertarian socialist caucus of the LP. It's like come on, come on, guys, come on. Yeah, I mean, but you know, it, it really that that connection sort of does uh, show that people are generally good because you can understand economics and not be a libertarian, but you have to be a bad person. So if you know how society can be destroyed. And you still want to destroy it, and that's not very libertarian. But yeah, you might understand economics, but you're not being very libertarian about it. You're not abiding by the non-aggression principle. So you know, it, it just goes to show you that you know, by nature, people are generally you know, good people. I think. 
so so as I've been taking part in this this path, and and Q's been enlightening me, and uh, showing me and sharing things with me. Um, you know, I'm constantly learning, which is a good thing. But I, I've realized about myself, and I think that, that that might be across the board. There's many people who who may be curious about these different philosophical viewpoints in life and what to choose and what to believe. But I've noticed after uh, emerging, uh, submerging myself into this world, uh, I, I realized that I've cherry-picked different ideas from different philosophical points and different um, different stages in life. Uh, so, so I'm like a mixture. Right. And, and it started to, I'm starting to, I'm more curious now. So I'm starting to try to figure out, well, I believe this and why. And then you find out, well, you really don't believe that. And it's not something that's conducive to your, um, your approach, I guess, if that makes any kind of sense at all. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I, I think that's the crazy part about going down this whole rabbit hole of the liberty movement is that you're constantly being, the veil's being removed and you think your eyes are open and then there's another veil. And then finally, yeah. you know, by the time you get to the end of the tunnel, you're like, your whole worldview is just radically so different. And, you know, we, you know, we used to say there's a red pill and, you know, blue pill, and which pill are you going to take and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and, and there are so many pills now that you could take um, that, you know, it, it does get ridiculous. I mean, even from, when even I'm gonna put platinum pill, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry about that. I, no, that's good. I just I feel like that. I feel like the red pill kind of leads to all the others, though, man. Because if you if you take that blue pill and you and you stay plugged into the matrix, you're you're never gonna know anything. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but you know, e even that that that's that's the first of many that you ha that of the first of many veils that gets lifted. Uh, you know, for me, one of the more surprising things was um, history. I've always been a big history guy. And really, when I started to realize um, how how fictitious the state's historical narrative actually is and what the real uh, true uh, history was and how different they were, I was so blown away. I mean, I couldn't believe it. And that in, in and of itself was like, a, a completely life-changing experience and then the whole economics and you know there's like i said there's just so many veils to be lifted right on man um so you, you mentioned you mentioned the uh bitcoin and, and i imagine other cryptocurrencies help with this uh, are there any are there specific technological advances that that, that help us move into this uh, more agora society Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean that that's that's the name of our game. Is that that that's the agorist bread and butter is technology. So um, yeah, Bitcoin. We we love Bitcoin because it helps us dis disintermediate the state, right? So if you think about it, the Fe the Federal Reserve is just a cartel, and we know from uh, economics. Um, you know, Rothbard spoke about this whole concept of compulsory cartelization, where you have these cartels and. You know, in a free market, a cartel can't actually exist because eventually one member of the cartel will get greedy and lower their prices. Uh, and then the whole cartel has to, you know, lower their prices to market equilibrium or the other firms will have to exit completely. Yeah, so, they'll start. It can exist. Right, exactly. So they, they all come. That's when they start bribing the politicians to uh, force members of the cartel to stay in line at the barrel of a gun. So uh, 
that's why I'm so excited about Bitcoin because uh, there's nothing that they can do about it. Now we have an alternative to the cartel, to the uh, these Federal Reserve notes that they can't do anything about because it's not a centralized, there's no centralized provider. So that's why I'm so excited about Bitcoin and uh, blockchain technology. But that's not all. We also have 3D printers, which have completely uh, ended the gun control debate. Um, yeah. At, you know, 100%. That debate is over. We've won that one. That is so gangster. It's And, it, and the thing is, people don't get it. 3D printing, uh, you know, the, the little the little little pocket CNC mills that you can just throw up on a shelf in your garage, man. Like we, we have totally ended that debate. There's no more discussion. There's nothing else to be said. Um, who was the guy that was, I saw a quick little snippet of an interview that he did. All that information's on, uh, you know, it's just public. It's open source. You know, you can make them now. The gun debate is over. Move yeah, on. yeah. The, you the, know? The, the files are out there. There's no stopping it now. It doesn't, they, yeah, they, exactly. the, the you attorney general cannot, yeah. The, the, yeah, you can't, go ahead. you can't unsqueeze, I'm sorry, you can't unsqueeze that toothpaste, dude. It's already squeezed out. It's done. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's, you know, that's the other thing about agorism, too, is, you know, I don't know, uh, I'm a big science nerd. It's very entropic, right? It's very decentralization. Just like you can't put uh, the heat back into a cup of coffee, you can't put those files back into, uh, you know, wherever they came from. You, you, right. you can't take them out there. Now that they're, they're in the public domain, they're there forever. There's copies of copies of copies, dude. They're, they're, they're just out there, and there's nothing. And there's no way you can sweep all that dust up. It's too far. It's too far scattered. But that's not, um, you know, it, it goes even deeper than that. We also have encryption and things like Tor. We have tokenization, which I'm really excited about. Um, yeah. You know, the possibilities are really endless. You know, uh, it, it really doesn't ever, it doesn't stop. Uh, medical tokens are disrupting the healthcare industry. Um, you know, uh, every day the market is claiming victories over state monopolies. So who knows what tomorrow is going to bring, you know? I love it, man. It's great. It's um, almost like it's almost like the uh, the cool kid in school that uh, went to college and realized he's not very cool anymore. You know, it's uh, everything's uh, growing beyond the um, yeah. level of coolness that he once was. You know. Yeah, absolutely, and especially now we have this whole uh, coronavirus pandemic thing going on, and everybody all of a sudden everybody's a prepper, everybody's homeschooling. So <laughs> we're all agorists now. <laughs> you know. Yeah, dude. That so. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're you're right. Everybody is. Everybody now is without even knowing it, without even understanding the philosophy, is trying to find a way to work around all these new restrictions. You know. I just uh, paid. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I just paid three dollars and fifty cents for a gallon of water, and I was proud to do it. I was happy for doing it. It was the guy who probably should. It was probably illegal for him to charge me that kind of money for a gallon of water, but I'll tell you what, I couldn't find anywhere else. And I was happy I got it. So that, you know, it's a small action, but that is, you know, that's counter economics. So where are, where are you right now? I'm, at, I'm just outside of New York City. I'm about 15 miles de- uh, into New Jersey. I don't know if you're familiar with the area I've, at all. Yeah, it all blends in after the Rockies, dude. You know? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're out in what, Hawaii? Yeah, we're in Hawaii. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. We, we we're getting it too, but we're I think a, I think a week or two behind you guys. But you know how this you know how this curve is going. You know we we just got eight new cases uh, today, eleven new ones yesterday, eleven new ones on Friday. We're up to fifty six total statewide. Uh, you know we're, we've we've got one point four million people in the entire state. You got more people in one borough 
of New York City than, than, than we've got in our whole state. So, Well, we've got uh, troops on the ground here. We've got yeah. tanks rolling That's around the streets and air cats. Yeah. <clears throat> I have a that's, feeling they're about to shut this this island down. That's that's what I'm thinking. That's just my speculative, uh, paranoid mind, which I'm not opposed to, given the circumstances. But uh, whatever, you know. I'm surprised they haven't already, because yeah. uh, you know, basically every other liberal state uh, already has. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's the ones, but see, I think feel like the ones that are st- staying open are the ones that seem to be doing better. I don't know if it's if it if it's the. Uh, you know, chicken or the egg so much as like, are they better because they're staying open or are they staying open because they're better? Right. But, but you're right. It seems like all the blue States and all these, these leftist States are just locking it down. Dude, they shut down San Francisco, 24 hour uh, curfew for, for, you know, three weeks. I, I, don't I mean, know could you imagine, like, how do you imagine, survive? have you ever been to San Francisco? No, dude, it's people everywhere, man. You're walking around. I mean, you're bumping into people, you're stepping over homeless people. You're trying not to, land your feet in like human landmines you know just like the uh but you know so so now it's like i am legend in there bro it's like like, like, what about the small businesses like that's who i feel bad for is these poor people who like they're they're already getting robbed in uh taxation and property taxes for the 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 whole barriers to entry thing all of that dude and now they have to deal with with uh you know forced shutdowns yeah but I think I think that you know then they're going to say, well, uh, you know, it's a typical situation where the state breaks your breaks your legs and then uh, they write you a, a, a disability check and you're supposed to thank them. So it's, yeah. it's the yeah. same same sort of situation. If it wasn't for us, you'd never have that cast, bro. Right? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, but right. then you know the, the sheep will eat it up and they'll go out and they'll they'll vote they'll reelect these people. They so. will absolutely every time. You can count on it. We have a history of it. Yeah. 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 So, um, thank you. Uh, go, dude. I'm just, I'm, I'm rambling here. You got something to go for it. Oh, so I'm going to say, Sal, the way that you explained agorism, agorism, it sounds like a middle name, agorism, you know, (laughs) but, uh, the way you, you explained it is, I, it's the best, it's the best way I've heard it. Because it breaks it down into layman terms for people who don't understand what you're talking about, to 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 pe- everyday people, right? Regular folks just hopping by, skipping by on the street, right? And what I what I realize is that most people don't realize they're already living it in a lot of areas in their life, in, in a lot of aspects, you know. And um, I think that's powerful. I think it's a good thing. And uh, how, how can we spread that those ideas more? Because I, as I learn and as I I'm enlightened and uh, I, I gain more knowledge on these different topics, uh, it changes my thought patterns. It changes the way I look at things and view things, and I think that's a positive thing because it's opening me, opening my mind up to, hey, I'm already kind of doing some of these things, and it's it's the right way to do it. I mean, does that does that resonate with you? Is that Absolutely. Um, you know, that's that that's the, the, the most beautiful part about agorism is that we don't have to do anything. We, we, I mean, if you and I just we could lock ourselves up in our houses and never go outside ever again. And uh, the agorist revolution will still unfold without anybody doing anything about it. It's going to it's going to uh, happen naturally. Um, 
you know, going back to this whole concept of entropy, it's just a natural decentralization is the natural course of affairs. You know, if you think about it, um, really, all agorism is is just the market. It's just the uh, economics, and the state just, is just politics. It, it is. It is the true laissez-faire. You know. Yeah. It's just, right. Yeah. It's and you know, again, not to get philosophical, but it's very like if you think about it, it's really just the state of affairs is another way of saying the market, right? It's just, it's just whatever things, however things are right now, that is the state of affairs. That's that's the economy. We can also describe it as the truth, right? So the state of Mm -hmm. affairs is everything right now that is true, and that's that's all agorism is. So that we we really can't lose. Uh, the market always wins. It's People almost as if it's natural. It's just going to happen. Yeah. Right, just exactly. Have to yeah, yeah, I like that, man. And, and, you know, that's why the, the, the best part of agorism, one of the best parts, is watching the politicians squirm and struggle because we know that they're oh, being yeah. snuffed out. The state is being snuffed out. So when we see the, the Pennsylvania Attorney General cry about... Uh, people having gun rights on Twitter. We enjoy that because we know that there's no, there's no winning for them. The, yeah, the game's already experience. over. For sure. The bat, the, yeah, the battle's lost. I mean, what are you, yeah. I mean, you, you going to go through and, and confiscate every 3D printer? Are you going to go through right. and confiscate every CNC mill? Are you gonna, I mean, anybody that knows, I mean, shoot, you can, well, I'll, we'll, we'll stay out of it. But I mean, like, you, you can't do that. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not possible. Same it's, thing with like, um, like, have you guys seen what's going on with the market in the last like, I don't know, week or two? Have you guys seen this? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I watch it every day. <laughs> it's yeah. insane. Uh, you know, they've th- think about the steps that they've taken in the last what seven to ten days, fourteen days. They've what uh, done more than two trillion dollars. Quantitative uh, easing, man. Come on, it's out of thin air. Now they're doing helicopter money. I mean. Yeah, they are yeah. so desperate to flood this economy with uh, easy money, and they and they're they're running out of tools to do it. And uh, as a sound money advocate, as an agorist, it's just it's you know it's, it's I don't want to say it's funny because I think people are going to be harmed in the long run. Uh, but watching them go out, watching them lose their uh, you know their hold on people, their immoral hold on people, I I, I do enjoy that, you know. Yeah, we um, it is funny, Sal. It's okay. Now it's it's a it's a it's a tragic comedy. It's a tragic comedy, right? right? Yeah. Because you so, know there's going to be real people that feel the consequences of this, and and we're not completely insulated by it either, just because of our 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 you know little philosophy of, of free markets. We're going to feel this pinch too. Absolutely. Um, but the fact that you can sit back and and see it coming, know what their next move is going to be, you, you you just you just you feel like you're. I don't know. You, you feel like you're a fortune teller, like you can see the future, because you know what's coming next. We know what's coming next, and we know that these all these steps lead to one thing, and that's the collapse of the dollar. They're devaluing it every day, you know, and and that makes that's that's in a way good for agorism, but in a way, well, in in a very big way, bad for mom and dad who are trying to feed kids and you know pay a mortgage and have two car payments and a dog in the backyard. You know what I mean? Like it's. There's very real turmoil that's coming around because of these guys, because of these their unsound money financial practices, you know. And and you're right about um, how you know Austrian economists can sort of see this stuff coming, which you know begs the question: uh, for all of the uh, socialists and the statists who uh, say that you know they they accuse other people of being science deniers, but here they are denying the science of economics. So. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. it, it, you, you can't miss the hypocrisy there. It, it, yeah. The irony is, is, is really hilarious. It is. Hey, so, um, so, so where do you see, let, let's say the dollar continues to, to, you know, go down, which it is. We're seeing it. Like the stock market's up and down. It's crazy. We haven't ever seen things like this, at least in my lifetime, you know. Well, we saw it 100 years ago. Well, 100, yeah. <laughs> oh, was it around? Sorry. But uh, where, where do you see, because I'm down with cryptocurrencies. I'm down with that stuff, you know, um, and Bitcoin is amazing. And uh, where, how do you see that playing out, like from your perspective? They're in big trouble. They're in big, big trouble. Um, you know, if you think about what's going on right now, like I said, they've just they've put over over $2 trillion into the market in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And in the same amount of time, they're forcing everybody into lockdowns and quarantine. So everybody's staying indoors. Nobody's producing any goods or services. It's insane. But the, but the money supply is increasing by, you know, exponential amounts. So in my mind, I can't foresee a scenario in which they maintain price stability in like the medium term. So I, I can't see like in the next two to three months how prices are don't skyrocket. Yeah. And you know the interesting thing is if you look at prices in gold right now, they're very they're like you know stable. It's just yeah. it's just nominally yeah. in in fiat trash that they're rising. So yeah. it just goes to show you it it, it just you know uh, justifies Mises's definition of inflation as an increase in the money supply. You know all these Keynesians who have criticized that now well the proof is in the pudding. You know we can see it mm -hmm. in the in the, in the economy. Yeah. So is this a wrap? Do you think this is a wrap for the good old U.S. of A. Like Who from, knows, a, from a centrally planned organization, or do you think? Uh, you, I mean, do they come up with some other scheme to stay to stay stay around? I mean, are they strengthened by this? Or are they weakened by this? Who knows? Who knows? You know, that's that's the interesting thing about economics is it tells us uh, what's going to happen, but it doesn't tell us when it's going to happen. So, yeah. yep, I I do think that uh, based on their behavior, they are getting extremely desperate. This whole helicopter money. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, you know, the helicopter money was supposed to be one of those things that that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the last resort. So now that they're resorting to this, and now Trump is saying, I, heard, I saw a press conference where he, I only saw a clip of it, so I don't want to take his words out of context, but he said something along the lines of like, well, it's not just one time, this might be a more permanent thing, which, uh, you know, a lot of Austrian <laughs> economists have already predicted. They, you know, they've, before the helicopter money even started, we've been saying when it starts, it won't stop. They can't. They can't stop the spigot. You know the the Fed is a junkie, and when you take the the junkie off that easy credit, that cheap money, the withdrawal kicks in. You have to get more injections in there. But eventually, no amount of dope gets you high anymore. And I think so, that's where they are now. You know, what's your recommendation for this helicopter money? You get this money. What do you do? Convert it immediately. Yeah, into, get rid of it. Right, crypto yeah. and gold. Move it. Move it. Move it into markets that are stable. Immediately. Buy Buy things that'll help you become more independent. Get yourself that 3D printer. Get yourself that that uh, that CNC machine, right? Um, get that cryptocurrency. Get that gold. Go ahead and open up a garden in your backyard. Start getting some chickens. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If you can afford a milk cow, get a milk cow. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's interesting because, like I said, prices are rising in dollars, but they're they're not rising in gold. So if, if you have gold or Bitcoin, I think Bitcoin will behave even better than gold, but we'll yeah. see. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, if you have gold and, uh, you know, this sort of hyperinflation scenario hits, you're going to be sitting pretty. You're going to be the, the next landed class would be those who invested in precious metals and cryptocurrencies. Yeah. A new 1%, baby. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. 
Right, yeah. <laughs> right on. And, and also, you're, you're not going to lug around all your gold and precious metals and silver, you know? So it's good to have that algorithm in your pocket. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And that's the other thing, too. You know, that's why people ask me gold or crypto. And I, I have to say crypto every time because we've seen what happens with gold. The government can uh, outlaw it and demand that you turn it over. Mm-hmm. They can't do that with Bitcoin. You know, they can't they can't stop uh, a digital transaction from occurring, especially that's the whole point. It's a peer to peer currency, you know, yeah. so it amazes me how how many people don't get the concept of cryptocurrency and you explain it to them. And I get it. it there There is a, a incubation period where you have to absorb the information and understand it. And I was one of those people and I'm still learning and I'm not an expert by any means, but. That is a key that you need, man. Um, I, I just can't stress that enough to people. And everybody I talk to, most of the time, I'm like, what you know about cryptocurrency? What you know about Bitcoin? You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And e- even cool. some people who, uh, you know, have been doing it for like a couple of years now, they still, I don't, I don't think that uh, even people in the community really fully grasp the whole concept of it, you know? Yeah. Bro, I'm in love with it and I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, uh yeah, we had we had Car Campit on not too long ago to have have an episode basically all about cryptocurrency and and I've had to listen to that show three times, dude. And <laughs> and I and I mean I get you know I get the I get the entry level one on one stuff, but when you start getting a little bit deeper past that, I'm like, dude, I I don't know if I understand it. And and, and uh, you know I'll get it I'll get there because I want to get there and and it's just I got this mental block. I got to get off of this hard currency concept and move into this digital realm. And you know some people. You know, some people take a little longer than others, but I'm there emotionally. I'm it just, also depends you know. on uh, what what cryptocurrency, because you know some are more easier to understand than others. You know, some yeah. are more yeah, yeah. complex, and they approach different problems in different ways. So, you know, there's different nuances to each different you know uh, currency, which doesn't help things. No, it makes things a little more challenging. For right. Dive into each one and figure it out. And is it going to last? Is it going to be like Bitcoin? Probably not. But, you know, it's, it's right. a learning curve for sure. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And I think that that's that's the thing that a lot of people who get who got into it, you know, when it was a twenty thousand dollars for one Bitcoin. A lot of those people are, are you know, they 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 wanted to get rich quick. So they bought a bunch of Bitcoin. It didn't happen. Now they're just kind of waiting and yeah. they're hoping that eventually it spikes it might spike, but the whole point is not to get rich. It's to get rid of the banking cartel and to free the population. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. to get yeah. It's to it's to decentralize right the money the money system right. Make it to where it's you know. I don't you know, know I, I hate to quote of all people, but Kanye West, who said <laughs> he, he was he said something on Twitter along the lines of you know there's no political freedom without economic freedom. Which is which is a more profound statement than any of our congressmen or senators will ever yeah, make. That's legit. That's what, legit. So what's yeah. up with that guy? He's he just every once in a while he'll throw something down. You're like, dude, he's that deep. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but then, like for every, you know, at, at 99 of 100 things he says sounds crazy, but one out of 100 sounds like a genius. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I will say the dude's got some bangers on that new LP. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stuff on there. I mean, you can't deny it. You know, he's he's a Christian now. You know, I don't know if he's really a Christian, but I mean, he's, he's dropping he's dropping some some good stuff on the new album. You can't deny that that's some there's some sick beats on there. Got he got is. some good spitting, got some good flows. I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, <laughs> bro. <laughs> oh man. Well, I 
Oh, I was hoping so. I put so I put some stuff on Twitter. I uh, trying to elicit some questions. I haven't got any that came in, but um, is there anything else you wanted to, wanted to dive into, Sal? Oh man, there's so many different roads we can go down. You know, one of the things I I, I would uh, like to address real quick is um, I, we spoke about a little bit a little bit at the beginning, but the different options. You know, there's different approaches to the liberty movement, right? So there's yeah. people people engage in party politics. Um, which, you know, we rule out because we think that it's inconsistent as of course to, you know, uh, engage in the party archy to try to become the state is inconsistent. So we rule that out as an, as a possible strategy. Then there is something that we discussed on the e-militia podcast. You might've heard a little bit about, yeah. um, anarcho Zionism, which is this whole concept of, you know, if, if we move together and we all live together, we can, uh, you know, have, you know, vote locally and stuff like that. So like projects like the free state or seasteading, private cities, things like that. We as Agorists reject this as well because uh, we believe that, that these sorts of solutions rely on the, the, the moral restraint of politicians. And we've seen that these people don't have any moral restraint whatsoever. Uh, so the only solution that, the only way, you know, and, also, obviously, violent revolutions we have to rule out. So the only solution is counter-economics. It's the only peaceful, uh, logically consistent way to address this problem. And yeah. that's why I think uh, everybody should be an agorist. That's, I, my, that's my case. I, 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 love, I, like uh, I love how you've broken this down. And it might be uh, everyone might know what you're talking about except for me over here. So <laughs> what, the way you've described it, we, we just have to get more people in tune with this because uh it's just it just makes sense man it, it it's too simple you know i mean you do you know what i'm saying what once it once once you realize that um like i said once you realize it is the only morally acceptable and logically consistent approach it's almost like you have to it you have to uh it's almost like it like it, it calls to you to like dedicate yourself to it because it's almost like a, a I don't even know how to say it. It's, it's like very spiritual, I want to say, in a sense. You know, it, it's very like, uh, I'm not even sure what the word I'm looking for is, to be honest with you. Okay, uh, I'm with you because neither do I, but uh, I, I, agree with, <laughs> I agree with you. So, hey, um, I got a question from, from Grant Reynolds on Twitter. Um, so uh, he's at Grant, R-E-N-A-U, and his question is, what are some of the easiest changes people new to agorism can make in their day-to-day -day life? Well, number one, I think, the one I always go for, I think the easiest thing to do, and perhaps one of the things that has the greatest, uh, you know, has the greatest effect on the state is to try to become your own bank. You know, yeah. use, use the tools that we have available, and not just cryptocurrency, but also use gold and silver. You know, for what I do personally is I use... Uh, gold and silver as a savings account um and i use uh cryptocurrency for uh checkings i have like a, basically my bitcoin cash account is my checking account i have bitcoin btc for uh you know speculative purposes and i also use dash and monero and privacy coins um for counter economic purposes you know if you yeah. sign on to any uh, onion market everybody's using yeah. monero so uh, use the tools that we have out there. You don't need to finance wars and the murder of children anymore. 
So, you know, become your own bank. I wrote an article about this. It's on uh, newlibertarian.io. Uh, you can check it out. Just search for become your own bank. And I, uh, you know, break it down in, in, you know, in a very detailed fashion. So that's that to me, that's the easiest thing you can do is, and, you know, it's all about, uh, you know, finances and, and, and economics. Like I said, you know, uh, you have to be economically free in order to be politically free. I agree. What about your neighborhood? Getting to know your neighbors and seeing areas where you guys can, can uh, you know, trade and barter and help absolutely. each other out. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's a, that's something that I probably should have uh, run down real quick. But there's a great book by Carl Hess called Commun- Community Technology where he discusses uh, this whole experiment that he did in the Adams Morgan neighborhood in Washington, D.C., where uh, he was able to, using aquaponics, in the basement uh, of some building, he provided enough food between fish and vegetables for the entire community. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, you know the the whole you know that's Per Byland uh, wrote an article about counter economics where he broke it down between horizontal and vertical counter economics. So there's uh, now I'm going to confuse them. I believe it's horizontal counter economics is uh, the the creation of local production facilities like what Carl Hess did that are more able, more apt to bypass uh, state regulation. Um, and then there's uh, vertical counter-economics, which is the more Konkanite black market, uh, basically just peer-to-peer exchange, voluntary exchange. So if you can mix those two, right, the whole concept of having a local production facility and peer-to-peer exchange, then you have counter-economics. And, you know, that's what's so... That's what's so effective about 3D printing. That's why we've been so successful uh, fighting gun control. You know, if you think about it, uh, a, a 3D printer is as local of a production facility as you're going to get. So anybody yeah. who's creating sure. uh, firearms and distributing them uh, in a voluntary fashion, that is counter-economics. Same thing with blockchain miner, right? That's a local production facility. Yeah, Rather than true. a central bank producing a, a bank note, you have a blockchain miner producing a, you know, a currency. Very good. That's good. All right. What was the, uh, one of the things that you called out earlier, it was the ship steading, right? The oh, seasteading. Oh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So, so I you, wanted to you, say... You, you don't like that stuff? That. You don't like it? No, I do like it. I'm just saying, Q might have some some. Uh, he can amplify upon ship steady, right? Ship steady, yeah. I had uh, I don't know if you guys know Joe Quirk um, from the Sea Setting Institute. Uh, he he does a lot of work with Patrice Friedman, Milk Friedman's grandson, on seasteading. and I was oh, I was gung ho about the topic. I was completely sold on it. And then, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the, the in Thailand, there was an, a case where just that, recently yeah. the, the, Thai, the Thai Navy like ran these people uh, away. I don't know if they arrested them or if they just scared them off or whatever happened to them. Long story short, it didn't work. And then I come across an article by Konkin where he goes into this whole anarcho-Zionist concept and he explains, you know, look, these are great ideas, but they depend on the state to restrain themselves, and that's not going to happen. And that's exactly how things played out in yeah. uh, the case in, in Thailand. Thailand. Yeah, yeah. You know. So I, I, uh, I'm not going to. I can't say too much about it because I'm. Uh, they've asked me not to say anything, and 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 uh, you know, but I, I actually interviewed for 
a reality TV show. Nice uh, for, for with that with the whole seasteading concept. It's uh, I'm awesome. not gonna tell you any more, I'm not gonna tell you guys any more than that. But yeah, and I mean I'm like, I'm like one out of like a million people probably. But there's you know there's 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 no other details than that. That uh, but I but I got into I got into the pool to at least uh, do a do a Skype interview with them and and there was some interest there and I don't know how that goes. My background is pretty conducive to the idea of seasteading, but. Um, Very cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it alone at that because they did ask me not to say too much. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So uh, as soon as you said seasteading, I perked up. But yeah, no, you're right. It is. It's dependent. <laughs> it's dependent upon the state to, uh, to, well, I mean, to restrain themselves. You're absolutely correct. So let's see if I got any more questions here. Nope, that's it. It's the only one I got. Um, so, yeah. Is is there is there any cryptocurrencies that you are completely against, like that you don't like at all? <laughs> Sorry to get back on there, but I, I'm just curious. No, no, of course. Um, <clears throat> you know, I won't say that there's any that I'm completely against because I think that to use a cryptocurrency, you have to do so voluntarily. And I, I you know, that to me, that that's the key, right? So as long as you're not using a, a Federal Reserve note, you're doing something, you know, positive. Yeah. With that being said, I think there are better better cryptos than others. Um, you know, I uh, Ripple. There, there's a case to be made that it's centralized. Although I know that people will jump down my throat from from the XRP <laughs> community when they hear that. That's a big community. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I've caught a lot of flack from them. Um, I'm not. You know, I, I I'm not one of these people who hates on BSV. But I, I don't think the technology is there yet. Okay. I think I, I do like the concept of having big blocks, but I don't think that uh, the tech is there for that big of blocks just yet. Maybe soon. We'll see. I think a lot of it has to do with the development of uh, AI and sort of things like that to sort of search through the chain for illicit material. We'll see what happens. But as long as you're not using a bank note, a Federal Reserve note, you know, I don't care if we go back to using salt. Uh, yeah. you know. Shells. Right, yeah. Right on. Was there is there anything else you wanted to go down? Any ideas you wanted to hit on? I think that basically covers it. I think so. I think that was a good that was that was a good chat, dude. Um, but uh, I'm gonna go ahead and and I don't know when I'm gonna when I'm gonna go ahead and release this this show. I'll probably get it all edited and put together and and drop it sometime around noon on Wednesday. But uh, I wanted to I wanted to thank you for coming on and and Gumbo. Was there anything you wanted to say? Uh, no, just thanks, man. It was a pleasure, Sal. Thank you so much. And uh, was there something you, you, you're all over the place, Sal? You're, you're um, I want you to go ahead and take some time and, and plug everything you got. I'm a big fan of your, I'm a big fan of your podcast. I wish, I sure wish you'd make more episodes. I know, I know. I, I've been so busy. I'm definitely going to get on that. I, I, I hear that a lot. I'm definitely going to get back on that. Um, especially with this whole coronavirus thing, they've really thrown me for a loop here. Uh, they've got us on complete lockdown over here, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm going to get back on that. Uh, Salviagoras.com is basically right. You can find all my stuff. Um, I also uh, published a blog, newlibertarian.io. Uh, I've got the Agora podcast. I've got some stuff I'm working on, <clears throat> which I should be releasing in the next, next two to three weeks. So keep your eyes peeled. Uh, and uh, you know, I think the next podcast episode I'm going to do is probably going to be uh, – I'm, I'm debating either to do one on the future of money – uh, and have a guest on, or just do one by myself on the difference between uh, anarcho-capitalism and agorism, because that's a question I get all the time as well. So 
keep your eyes peeled. Next couple of weeks, I should be putting some uh, some good stuff out there. Right do on. you want to do you want to touch on that real quick with the difference between agorism and anarcho capitalism? Sure. Yeah. Um, really, I think the main difference comes down to if you think about it. Uh, in, just in my brainstorming here, is the the difference in the motivation for entrepreneurial activity, right? So an ANCAP engages in entrepreneurial activity for uh, the profit motive, which we as agorists have no problem with, right? We understand that in, in a market economy, that is how we allocate resources with the profit motive. But uh, for an agorist, it's, it's more than that. It's not just profit. We do it for the express purpose of undermining the state. That's why we engage in entrepreneurial activity. So, you know, not uh, not all entrepreneurship is agorism, but all agorism is entrepreneurial. So, ooh, that's good. I like it. Yeah. Actually, I, I come up with something. I got something for you. Yeah. A, a wild card round, if you will. Yeah. Um, so, with this whole coronavirus, COVID nineteen happening, pe- things are getting shut down. Uh, it's a big scare, and I get it. If surface level, if what it is is they're just trying to keep it from spreading, good. But I'm paranoid, and uh, I think that there's more behind it. I also think that it might have something. You know, when you tie in the five G and the possible cryptocurrency stuff, and who knows what they're doing. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I'll tell you what. I think that this has a lot more to do with the markets than they're letting on. That's yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. It, it's 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 very convenient that they're going that they're going to have martial law in place as the dollar collapses, you know. And so they can't they they, they can't say, hey, we have to have martial law because the dollar is collapsing because we have mismanaged the economy so poorly. Mm-hmm. So what they have to do is they have to say, oh well, you know, there's this really bad flu going around, and we have to have you know troops on the street and stuff like that. So, you know, it's all uh, part and parcel. And really, as far as I'm concerned, um, this helicopter money has nothing to do with this virus, right? This, they're yeah, forcing yeah. people to stay at home so they have the excuse to throw money out of helicopters. When in reality, the helicopter money is just uh, – they have no other way of pumping money into the economy. You can't lower interest rates anymore, right? They've already bought up all the equities that you can. So I mean, what else can they do? They have to just uh, start writing people checks. Yeah, you but shouldn't be. Work. We shouldn't it'll be throwing work. money out of helicopters. I mean, the only thing you throw out of helicopters are communists. Everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, if you had a helicopter and you're throwing money out of it, there's a good chance that it's going to fly right up into the, into the <laughs> propeller. I would think. Right? That's uh, not. Let, uh, you know what I'm saying. You're you're thinking too much about this, dude. <laughs> well, I'm just asking. Come on. All right. All right. Well, yeah. If that if that's it, guys, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and and uh, and end this recording. I want to thank thank you again, Sal, for coming on coming on the show and kind of throwing us a bone here and and uh, and giving us a chance to kind of glimpse into your brain into your brain socket a little bit. So thanks I appreciate it, me, guys. Any, yeah. Anytime you guys want to do this, I really enjoy it. We should do it again. Okay. Yeah, thanks sure. for thanks for that, man. And 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 we will we will. I I will I'll look forward to that. Okay. Absolutely. All right, bud. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the show. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Q underscore abolitionist. My co-host is at Crypto Gumbo and our show page is at Unshackled underscore L. Uh, If you like the content that we're creating and would like to help us make more, you can support us at anchor.fm slash Unshackled Liberty or patreon.com slash Unshackled Liberty. Thank you for your time. Every little bit helps. And remember, freedom does not require permission.